Welcome to the Princeton Evangelical Free Church Podcast. I'm John Padno, the lead pastor here at PEFC, where it is our desire to equip people to grow together in Christ. Our hope is that this podcast is a help and an encouragement to you this week. May God bless you as you listen. Would you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2. We're going to keep it simple this morning. Uh, I really have one question I desire to answer, and that is this. What is faith? Last week we talked about the greatest story ever told, the story of Jesus. God's story of redemption includes uh, characters that display incredible trust, but also we see it displays uh, characters that have amazing faith. And as we think about faith, it's, it's really sort of a basic concept, is it not? But what is faith? Uh, what, what really is faith? And, and maybe what are some ways ha- that we've made faith into sort of mythology, as it were? Or uh, maybe more complicated than it needs to be. So what is faith? Uh, sometimes in culture, we hear that faith is like a mantra, uh, some of you know that song by Journey. I know my boy Tony Cassidy here. Uh, when you're driving that midnight train going anywhere, don't stop believing. Whoa! Right? Get that raspy jazz voice going. But what are you exactly believing in? Who are you believing in? I don't. I don't quite get it. Uh, Or the mantra of faith like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think. Is that all that faith is to us? I think God can. I think God can. Maybe. Yes, uh, I think biblical faith includes perseverance and confidence. uh, But is that all that it is? Is biblical faith a feeling, right? Good vibes only. Send out those vibes. A lot of people talking about the moon and its vibes. Is faith more than a feeling? Is my faith only working when I am happy and optimistic? Does biblical faith bring joy in the midst of sorrow? We would say, yes. Does biblical faith bring peace that transcends understanding? Absolutely. But is faith more than just the highs and lows that I feel from week to week? Is faith an intellectual exercise, right? We just sang a song about the core doctrines that we believe about who God is. Is that all our faith is? Just uh, what we gather and agree to in terms of doctrinal statements? Oftentimes we think uh, people are spiritual. We think that people know God because he or she knows a lot about religious things. How many of you grew up in a traditional church, as I did, where you did this thing called confirmation? What were you confirming? And why did you feel as though you could peel out after you were confirmed? Your faith was confirmed? Does biblical faith bring... uh, Biblical faith bring understanding? Does biblical faith... uh, Stress that we need to be able to articulate God's truth and his promises? Yes. But is it more than that? Last but not least, is faith a leap? How many of you have heard a leap of faith? 
Just take a leap of faith. Uh, one of my favorite Christmas movies, I think, perfectly displays this idea of a leap of faith. This is my version of Christmas movies. Sorry. Like Die Hard, you know? graphics for 1989. I mean, come on. Our family loves the Indiana Jones series. It's great. Uh, is that all our faith is? Just believe, son. And that's it. You just, you just have to believe that there's nothing more to it. You need to believe without question. Or there is no, in terms of faith, there's no wrestling through doubt. Will we know and understand and be able to articulate every truth about who God is? No. If God's ways were not transcendent and higher than ours, he would not be God. But what we are pointing to is this. Biblical faith is better than a mantra or a feeling, even though that journey song is great. Biblical faith contains more substance as well than an intellectual exercise or merely blind hope. So, we're turning to Luke chapter 2 to answer this. What does amazing faith look like? Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, we're going to look at the shepherds in the field. It says this, uh, that in the same region there were shepherds out in the field as they usually were, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear because of it. And so, of course, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I am bringing you good news of great joy that will be for all people on the earth. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. How defined is that? How many of you find babies swaddled? A lot. But here's the other practical piece. 
not only swaddled, but lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. They were all praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. What we see about the shepherds' amazing faith is, first and foremost, they received a revelation. They received a revelation. We are not creators of our own reality. That is why mantras don't work for us and just positive thoughts do not work. We are revelation receivers to receive revelation, truth, and reality from the one who created and is truth and reality, God himself. And so as they receive this revelation, they ask themselves and must ask themselves a very important question is that this, is it trustworthy? As you think about receiving revelation or truth in your life, you must first ask, is it a trustworthy source that you're getting this truth from? Well, for them, was it a trustworthy source? Uh, They're talking about angels, right? Heavenly beings speaking on behalf of God, speaking and being a mouthpiece for the authoritative word of God. But does the angel just leave things in a spiritualized form? Does the angel give them practical details that they must walk through and be obedient to? They give a practical sign as a confirmation of the truth that they're telling them, right? You're going to find a baby swaddled and lying in a manger, and that is going to be a confirmation that, in fact, the words that we're saying are from God, and this is a child of great consequence and good news. Not only this, but what the, the heavenly hosts are singing and, and, and saying is also from God's word past. Right? Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is well pleased is from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. God is confirming his word, past, present, and in the future is going to confirm it all along the way. So is this a trustworthy source? We'd say yes. And so then if the revelation we are receiving, the truth we're receiving, is coming from a trustworthy source, the next question is, do we take it, take God, in this instance, at his word? Do they, the shepherds, take God at his word? Well, let's read about it. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds, they said to one another, let's go. Right? This is imperative. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with great haste. And they were not disappointed. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, just as God and his word had told them. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it, they wondered. Everyone say wondered. They wondered what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen and all that had been told to them. Do they take God at his word? They go without any sort of hesitation, and they are convinced that God has made them privy to some very special news. 
They went in quick anticipation, sharing the good news, and they were not disappointed. Although it said that Mary is the one who treasured the words that were said in her heart, I believe that there were others who treasured God and his word that day. Those bystanders that wondered at the word of God, I would suspect that some of them had their wonder grow into faith that God was doing something very special and significant. The shepherds themselves, were they treasuring God and his word? I would say absolutely, because they leave praising God for who he was, what he was doing, and including them to be a part of all of it. This is maybe a simple story of what amazing faith looks like. Just a few chapters ahead, we're going to look at what does amazing unbelief look like. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 4? To give a little bit of a context, Luke chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, it says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, everyone say the Spirit, to Galilee. And a report about him went throughout all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. He's, he's healing people. He's, he's teaching these deep truths. He's bringing, really, the glory of God wherever he is. The Spirit of the Lord is really with him. But here, this next verse, Jesus comes to Nazareth, verse 16, where he'd been brought up, his hometown. And when he went, as is the custom, he went in the synagogue, Jesus rolls up, he stands up on the stage the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and he took the scroll of the prophet Isaiah that was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, the Spirit, everyone say the Spirit, of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the Lord Jesus does something that only he can in dramatic fashion. He rolls up the scroll and he sits down. And the eyes of the synagogue are upon Jesus. And I'm sure they're wondering what's coming out of his mouth next. And, and maybe for some wondering, you know, is he really saying what I think he's saying? Jesus sits down and he says, today, the scripture, the prophecy you find in Isaiah, the prophecy that I just read, has found its fulfillment in your hearing, sitting right before me. In other words, what he says is, I am the Messiah. This is the year of the Lord's favor. And I'm doing these things that Isaiah had prophesied long ago. Do you accept them? They have, right, as we looked before, they had received revelation, did they not? They heard from the word of God from Isaiah as well as they hear from Jesus' lips himself. Although Jesus had no appearance like the King Saul that naturally attracted people to him, he was being glorified wherever he went because he was bringing the glory of God. In other words, uh, as he left, the glory of God shone around him and struck fear in the hearts of men and women. 
Practically speaking, Jesus was proving to not just teach incredible truth, but he's also doing incredible things like healing the sick and the blind. The blind were not just receiving sight spiritually, but the blind were receiving sight physically. Was Jesus a trustworthy source? We would say absolutely. But here, do they take God at his word? Let's look at it. Verse 22. And all spoke well of Jesus and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Right? Their minds go back to what they're so familiar with. Uh, This cannot be really the Messiah because we know his dad. And Jesus said to them, doubtless you will quote to me the proverb, physician, heal yourself. Wait, Uh, we have heard what you did in Capernaum. Do here in your hometown as well. Give us a sign so that we may believe that you are the Messiah. Jesus said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own hometown. But in truth, I tell you that there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to one widow in the land of Sidon. And in verse 27, uh, not only Elijah, who's a big deal, who's a very powerful prophet, but his predecessor, there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, And none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And yet, how many had been cleansed by Jesus at this point? How many people were healed at this point by Jesus? And yet, so in a sense, he's saying, I am a greater prophet than these. And when they heard all these things, they were not filled with faith, but rather they were filled with wrath and rebellion. And they rose up and drove Jesus out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But Jesus passed through their midst. Their default was not to wonder at what the scripture had said or if it were truthful, but their default is human reasoning. Essentially what Jesus says, this is his line of thinking, he says, I am God and I don't need to give you a sign or make a deal with you in order for you to be obedient, to believe me. Jesus says, you know enough and you have heard enough to have faith in who I am. And yet they, in their own minds, want to dethrone God and be in control what is true. So we come as we begin to land the plane. What is faith then? Right? We have uh, ideas of amazing faith and a story of amazing faith. Uh, We have a story of amazing unbelief. I would say that as we look at this, that faith really comes down to three things. Faith is first, trust. Secondly, faith is obedience. And third, faith is treasuring. Let's start with trust. Faith is trust. Faith, as we look in the scriptures, faith is a gift given 
by God himself. Let me read from Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, but this salvation, which includes grace and faith, is all a gift of God, which means none of us can boast about doing it ourselves or entering into salvation all by ourselves. Let me peel back the layers a little bit more. Uh, when Peter is about to portray Jesus, Jesus says to him in Luke 22, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for your faith that it may not fail. And because Jesus has prayed for his faith, right, when he has turned again, go and strengthen your brothers. In Mark chapter 9, uh, there's a great prayer by a man who really desires his son to be healed. And as he speaks to the Lord Jesus, he says this prayer that comes with faith and trusting in the gift of faith. And that is this, Lord, I believe that you can do the impossible. And yet I still know that there are areas and places in my heart and in my life where I do not believe. I lack in trust. So, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That is to say this morning, as you think about faith containing trust, is that faith is not something that we can manufacture from our own imagination, but faith is all about trusting and having confidence in someone or something worth trusting in, and that is God. And so if you desire to have more faith in the realm of trust, it's not something you're going to muster up in your own right. Rather, something you're going to pray to the Lord to say, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, I believe, but I see where I still don't. And Lord, help my unbelief. Help my trust. Help me to trust you more. Secondly, obedience. Faith in God what it does is it produces righteousness. Perfect example, our, our boy Abraham. In Romans chapter 4, it says this, that no unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God. And yet we know this to not exactly be the case. That in the story of Abraham, there were many times where he had almost sacrificed in some respects, the promise of God. Uh, he had an illegitimate son because he didn't fully trust in the promises of God. But as we look at Abraham, as we look at his faith that produced righteousness, it says that Abraham, he grew. Everyone say grew. He grew. He grew in his faith. He grew in his faith as he gave glory to God and as he became more and more convinced on his journey that God was able to do all that he had promised he was going to. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not just written for Abraham's sake alone, but for ours as well. It will be counted to us who believe in Jesus, who raised from the dead, God the Father who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who delivered up, 
for our trespasses and raised for our justification. In other words, this idea of faith is not just spiritualizing everything in our lives. That faith includes an obedience that is a confirmation that the truth of God really resides in us. There's a practical fruitfulness that comes. There is growth that should come into our lives as we grow in faith. And last but not least, treasure. Faith in God causes a treasuring of God in our hearts. Uh, James, Pastor James says it perfectly. Uh, Some of you will say, you have faith and I have works. And Pastor James says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. I believe in God the Father, right? You do well singing that song. But even the demons believe those words that you're singing, and they shudder. So what's the difference between you and the demons? Do the demons treasure those words of the character of God? They don't. Do they know them to be true? Absolutely. Biblical faith contains faith statements, but they're much more than just faith statements that we rally around. To say it in another way, uh, I don't love that song and I don't love doctrinal statements because they have great melodies or because they're so well written. But because as we sing about the character of God, as we sing about those statements, we are reminded of the God who embodies those truths. Right? It brings a smile to our mind as we think about God as our wonderful counselor. Right? He embodies that truth. Or as we think about God being Emmanuel. Why is this important? Why is faith important? Well, first of all, without faith it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So for God's glory as well as for our good. Because biblical faith is better than any mantra uh, or positive vibes that we could give out. It has more substance than any intellectual exercise or blind leap of faith that we could take. Before we close, a little bit of a challenge. Um, When we think about our faith and we think about living out our faith, where, where do we live out our faith? Where do we practice our faith? So, in other words, as you maybe take inventory about your faith uh, in trusting God, in being obedient to him, uh, as well as treasuring him, Do you think about it only when you're in these four walls here? Right? We exercise our faith only when we go to church. As I was studying this this passage, there's a a pastor by the name of Jeremy Treat. um, And he said this, and I thought this was very interesting. If a person went to church every Sunday from the age of 25 to age 65, they would spend around 3,000 hours gathered with the body of Christ. Now, if that same person worked a full-time job from the span of 25 to 65, 
they would put in around 80,000 work hours. He says, my point is that the workplace, not the sanctuary, is where we actually live out most of our faith. Right? We practice and live out our faith way more outside of these walls than we do inside of these walls. So in what ways does your faith need to increase? In what ways do you need to trust God to increase your faith? What are the things that you very practically need to be obedient towards? And do you really treasure the child born in a manger? Savior of the world. Would you please stand? Let this be your song from Psalm 28 that I think embodies this idea of trust, obedience, and treasuring. That the Lord is my strength and my shield. Let him be your strength and shield this week. And in him may your heart trust that you are helped. And may your heart exalt him with a song and give thanks to him this week. May you go in God's peace. Thank you for listening to today's podcast and consider subscribing and sharing with others. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please go to princetonfree.com. God bless.